treasurer, but he loved the money more than he loved Jesus. We have to ask ourselves, what is our greater allegiance than Jesus? Is it security? Is it money? Is it the thought of a spouse? Maybe a a relationship? Maybe a TV show or some garbage on the internet? What is the thing that you are more allegiance to other than Jesus? Most people desire intimacy and protection and love. Jesus offers all those things, yet many will seek it apart from Him, even as it leads to self-destruction. Today, Pastor Daniel examines the paths of Judas and his betraying heart. No one except Jesus had an inkling that Judas was the betrayer because he was great at looking, speaking, and acting like an apostle, but his heart was divided. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, with part one of his message entitled, How's Your Heart? Jesus makes it very clear that there is one God and there is one way to God, and that is through Him. And I know for me, before I became a Christian, that was a huge thing. Because I'm reading Jesus, and I'm like, look, I'm not going to try and pasteurize Jesus, make Jesus culturally acceptable. Let's just see what he says and deal with it. And he starts saying things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I was like, oh, no. That's not a culturally appropriate statement in 20th century America when I was reading it, or even more so now. But he said it. He said it. Now, as we move into verse 21, we're really going to focus down on this and the betraying heart. Look at what happens. When Jesus had said these things, verse 21, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciple looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew For what reason he said this to him? For some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately and it was night. So Jesus, he tells them that this is going to happen. It's going to fulfill scripture. And then he just comes straight out and says it. Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. The first thing we learn about the betraying heart is this, that the betraying heart begins with duplicity. See, Judas, 
hid his true intentions completely. See, Judas was very much part of the apostolic band. He was treated by Jesus exactly the same as everybody else. It wasn't like Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And the disciples said, it's Judas. We know it's Judas. Because Judas is a charlatan. Or, and it speaks about how amazing the love of Jesus was. Jesus knew Judas would betray him the whole time. And yet, they never say, oh, we know it's Judas because Jesus doesn't like Judas. Jesus treats Judas differently than everybody else. No. They had no clue who it was. And the betraying heart begins with duplicity. For some of us in here today, let's be honest. You are a divided person. You're here today. And don't get me wrong. If you're the person I'm talking about, right? And, and there's a division in your heart. You're here. You're at church. You're worshiping the Lord. But you know, and God knows, that there are some issues there. Church is the best place for you to be. So I don't want you for one second to feel that, oh, I shouldn't be here. No, you should be here today. Because God wants you here to hear this. But the reality is, is that for a lot of us, we're here, we're in church, we're fellowshipping with believers, but what we're doing outside of Sundays, outside of our meetings, is betraying of the truth. Judas was really good at looking like an apostle, speaking like an apostle, acting like an apostle. But in his heart, his heart was divided. He had other cares. So this betraying heart begins with duplicity. Now in verse 23, look at what happens. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now listen, I have an action step for you. You want to you do battle against the betraying nature of your own heart? Right here. Just what John is doing. I love this. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Here's an action step. Snuggle into Jesus and know the love. Snuggle into Jesus and know the love. Now, Pastor Bill last week mentioned there, they didn't sit around a table very formal. It, it wasn't like tea, you know, uh, formal tea time. They would recline. I kind of like this. We should bring this back. You know, where you kind of lean in. You got like one arm down, just kind of eat. It sounds fun, doesn't it? It, it would make the siesta much easier. Because you can just kind of put your head down and just doze off for a little bit. But it's amazing that we have John the Apostle. He's right next to him and he's putting his head on the, on the chest of Jesus. When was the last time we snuggled in to Jesus? When was the last time we said, Lord, I just want to be that close to you? Now, I know for some of you guys, you're like, Pastor Daniel, snuggle in and know the love. Like, come on. But you know what? My seven-year-old son, Obadiah, he's a little dude. There's nothing my son doesn't love more than snuggling in with his Abba. There's nothing he doesn't like more than in the morning he comes on down like, give me a hug. And he doesn't, you know, he's at that age where he doesn't just give me like the, the fist pump and okay, dad. But he comes in, he puts his head on my chest, and I'm like, man, how'd you sleep? And he'll tell me some crazy stories about things that he was dreaming about, like creating Lego monsters and all these things. But you know, for a lot of us, it's been a long time since we snuggled in and knew the love of God. I mean, talk about divintimacy. John, right there, 
where he needed to be in the heart of Jesus. I love this. John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved apostle. Do you think that was only for John? Or do you think John was clued in to how God wants all of us to see ourselves? When was the last time someone said, hey, so what's, what's your name and what do you do? And you say, insert your name. My name is, and I'm a disciple whom Jesus loves. That is a proper self-assessment of any person who calls themselves by the name of Jesus. I could say, my name is Daniel, a disciple whom Jesus loves. For a lot of us, we struggle trusting that God loves us as he actually does. But God loves radically. Now look at what else happens. Verse 24, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask him who it was of whom he spoke. And leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? I love this. Peter's looking at John and saying, ask Jesus who it is. That's what he's doing. Now, action step number two to battle against the betraying nature of our hearts. Second, action step number two, ask the question. Brothers, sisters, ask the question. One of the other gospel accounts says that all the disciples ask, is it I, Lord? See, the reason a lot of our hearts betray us and betray our relationship with Jesus is because we're not willing to ask the question, Lord, what area of my life is unbecoming? Lord, what area of my life do you not get radical joy in? Are you willing to ask the question? See, you know what's amazing is that when you ask the question and when God answers the question, he never answers it in a condemnatory way. He wants us to understand where our struggles lie so that he can heal it, so that he can do something amazing in and through our lives. And that's an awesome, awesome thing. Awesome. Amazing. So are we willing to second ask the question, Lord, is it I? And look at verse 26. Now Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. The third action step is simple. Trust Jesus' identification. They asked, Who is it? Jesus said, Listen, whoever I dip the bread and give it to, that's the person. Jesus desired to identify the betrayer amongst him. So if you are willing to ask the question, as action step number two is, action step number three, trust Jesus' identification. Are you willing to trust when Jesus puts his finger on some area of your life? I mean, how many of us, God has put his finger on an area of our lives and we're like, oh, no way, God. Like as if God doesn't know who we are. As if God doesn't see us naked and open without any filters, without any presumption. When God puts his finger on our lives, let's trust him. Say, okay, Lord, I see it. Will you heal me? Will you transform me? Will you do a work in and through my life? Now, as we continue to move here, look at what happens. Now, after the piece of bread, it says, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now, in verse 27, we get this reality, that the betraying heart is Satan's handiwork. The betraying heart 
is Satan's handiwork. Now, I need to say something because we live in a day and age where there's not a lot of talk about Satan. And when there is talk about Satan, normally the talk about Satan is completely unbiblical. So either way, we don't get it right. Either people don't want to talk about Satan or when they do talk about Satan, they talk about him in a way that's unbiblical. I want to teach you something about Satan this morning. Satan is never to blame for your issues. Satan's job is simply to encourage us to do what we want to do naturally outside of God's Holy Spirit. So Satan is more like a cheerleader for evil than he is the person who makes us do evil. Does that make sense? See, the betraying nature of our heart is not Satan's fault. That's our own stuff. Satan just encourages us to be betraying. He just encourages it. And Satan's been doing it for a long time. Like if you look at Isaiah chapter 14 or Ezekiel chapter 28, you find that Satan, created by God as the glorious archangel who when he spread his wings, all of heaven filled with the glory of God, he decided, I want that glory. I want it for me. It should be mine. And he betrayed. And he wants us to be just like him. It's interesting here. Judas takes the the bread and Satan just jumps right on in there. He's ready to go. The betraying heart is Satan's handiwork. In the middle of verse 27, Jesus says to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this. For some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things we need for the feast. Or that he should give something to the poor, having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, for it was night. Notice this next. The betraying heart misses the God pause and failed to repent. The betraying heart misses the God pause. Can you imagine what through Judas's mind when Jesus says, what you do, do quickly? See, all through the Gospels, we find Jesus giving Judas an opportunity. We're going to see later in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? When, when the multitudes, the, the troops come and Judas is there and Judas kisses Jesus. And Jesus says, Judas, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? It's like Jesus is giving Judas one more opportunity, one more chance to stop. But Judas doesn't take it. For so many of you, if you're here and you're like, yeah, I'm the betraying heart. That's totally me. Stop missing the God pauses. The moment that God gives you to realize what you're doing and simply repent. Repent is a biblical word, but it simply means to change direction. If you're on the five, right, and you're just, you can't wait to go to Seattle, but you find yourself going over the Columbia River from where we're heading, aren't you heading in the wrong direction? So what do you do? You get off at the next exit, you turn around so that you can head north on the five, right? That's textbook repentance. You're going one direction, you realize you're going in the the wrong direction, you get off the highway, you turn around, you head the other direction. That's repentance. Judas missed it again. Again. Now notice, in the last couple verses here, Judas, the people didn't understand, the apostles didn't realize that Jesus was giving Judas an opportunity to repent. They thought, oh, well, Judas had the money box. 
Judas is the treasurer of the apostolic band. So, you know, he's just going to go out and get us stuff for the Passover feast. Finally, the betraying heart is marked by greater allegiances. So you know what we learn about Judas in John chapter 12? This is verses 4 to 6. It says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Judas gave Mary a hard time for blessing Jesus because he wanted the money sold to, quote-unquote, give it to the poor. But they said that Judas used to take money out of the money box. The betraying heart is marked by a greater allegiance. Judas was the treasurer, but he loved the money more than he loved Jesus. We have to ask ourselves, what is our greater allegiances than Jesus? Is it security? Is it money? Is it the thought of a spouse? Maybe a, a relationship? Maybe a TV show or some garbage on the internet? What is the thing that you are more allegianced to other than Jesus? Whatever that thing is, that is your idol. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your 401k. Whatever your allegiance is that is greater than Jesus, that is your idol, and that marks a betraying heart. Now, as we move on, verses 31 to 35, we see the second heart, the people of God, the loving heart. Look at what it says. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we have four aspects or characteristics of a loving heart here. Look at first, verses 31 and 32. Do you see a word that's repeated over and over and over again? That word glorified. The Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Listen, the loving heart is focused on God's glory. The loving heart is focused on God's glory. See, the reason the loving heart has to be focused on God's glory is because God truly loves people without any mixture, an unconditional way, a way that is effective in changing someone's life. And the problem with most of our, our hearts and in the love that we have is we don't love with God's glory in mind. We love with our own glory in mind. Psychologists call this the law of reciprocal affection. I will love people who love me back. So if you give me love, I will return that love to you. It's kind of like if you know the, the TV show Seinfeld, the soup Nazi. You guys know this? If you don't, go, go look it up on YouTube. It's, it's classic. This guy, if you don't have your order ready, and of course it's New York, you know. So if you don't have your order ready when you get up there, the soup Nazi gets mad. He says, no soup for you. And he throws you out of the line. A lot of us love the way the soup Nazi serves the soup. 
I will love you back if you love me. But the moment you stop loving me, no love for you. I'm done with you. So you don't really love them. You love you. And you'll love people back who love you the way you want them to. That has nothing to do with love. That's self-centered. It's prideful. Self-focused. So the loving heart cares about the glory of God because God, textbook, loves people who don't love him back properly. That's me. We're in worship this morning. And we're singing and I stand with my arms high my heart abandoned. I just start weeping because I'm like, Lord, I want to have a more abandoned heart, Lord. I want to say all that I am is yours and it really be all that I am. Every thought, every work of my hands, everywhere I place my feet, Lord, I want that to be true. And I realize that I fall short. I want your glory more, God. The loving heart's focus is the glory of God. Lord, I will love to my own detriment for your glory. That's what Jesus taught us. Now, not only that, the loving heart identity is radically Christocentric. I'm going to say that again. That's a big phrase there. The loving heart's identity is radically Christocentric. Before Jesus even begins, before he even begins to tell us how we ought to live, he speaks about himself first. Look at what he said. I mean, it's just amazing here. He says, the Son of Man is glorified. He's like, I'm glorified, and God is glorified in me. If God is glorified in him, speaking of himself, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. See, the loving heart's identity is radically Christocentric. The loving heart views itself through cruciform glasses, cross-shaped glasses. In order to truly love, we need to behold the death and resurrection of Jesus in our hearts in such a profound way that our heart gets reshaped into the shape of the cross, cruciform shaped. Our heart's identity is drenched in Jesus. That's why I say it's radically Christocentric. Maybe the question for us today is, Lord, in what ways do I view myself in a way that is not cruciform shaped? that is not fitted by the cross. Oh, would to God that we would see ourselves radically, Christocentrically. And then it moves into how it plays itself out. In verse 33, little children. I love when Jesus talks like that. He's 33 years old. And he calls his disciples little children. I mean, what endearment, what care, what he, you know, these guys are probably older than Jesus. He's like, little children. So It's so sweet and endearing. It says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. As I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Look at this. A loving heart knows that we love God by loving people. Jesus is real. When you take in the understanding of the resurrection and saving power of Jesus, your heart is reshaped. As Pastor Daniel explained, that's how we learn to love properly. Instead of self-focused, we're focused on glorifying the Savior. We are so happy that you're a part of our Jesus is Real radio family. 
Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported radio program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. We're asking for your support to expand into new territory so even more listeners can hear the message of Jesus. Your generous donation of any amount will help, whether you partner with us as a monthly supporter or if you're simply giving a one-time gift that God puts on your heart today. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Or donate online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. You can mail a check to Jesus Is Real Radio at 7708 NE 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Thank you for your generosity and thank you for listening to Jesus Is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Jesus Is Real Radio as we continue to explore what it means to have a loving heart. People are the recipient of that love and it's a love with truth. 